This is a podcast by The Straits Times. It's our time for our regular sports segment, Game of Two Halves, every Monday at about 5.15pm, where host these sports uh, podcasters from The Straits Times. I'm Bert Lim, and with me are our sports uh, correspondents, Azali Abdulaziz and Kimberly Quack. Hello, guys. Hello, nice to, be here. nice to hear you guys back on the radio again. This week, the spotlight is all on the local football. I mean, last year, ST broke the story that the Football Association of Singapore was set to launch a Gold 2034, an ambitious uh, plan to have the Lions qualify for the 2034 World Cup. But on Friday, Senior Parliamentary Secretary B.M. King told Parliament that Gold 2034 is a goal of the FES, is not a goal of the government. Well, Sazali, what does this really mean? You know, I think what SPSB means by that is that, you know, the MCCY will leave the FAS Football Association of Singapore to take a lead on the project in terms of, you know, planning the details, the runway, how they plan to get there, managing stakeholders like sponsors and, you know, working with the various government agencies that they deal with, like MINDEF, for example, when they have discussions over players who are in national service and stuff like that. So I think that's simply what Bayam King means. just means that they will leave FAS to take the lead on it. It's not to say they won't support, but FAS should be the ones uh, front and centre in this project. Okay. Well, initial reports, so everybody was a little bit confused. So what was the FAS reaction to Mr. Bay's statement on Friday? Similarly, I think they were taken aback. They were a bit confused as well. It seemed like they were ready for the statement. They issued a statement of their own saying they were surprised by MCCY's statement and reiterated that you know they needed all stakeholders to pull together in the same direction if, if the vision of Goal 2034 is, is to become a reality. What's significant about that is that I think it's, it's very, very rare for a national sports association, you know, be it football or any other sport, to actually sort of directly address the ministry in such a way. So I think that's what sort of raised a few eyebrows, especially for a goal which, you know, some say it's unrealistic, some say it's, it's a bit too far-fetched, others say, you know, it, it could work, but certainly it's a massive project and you know, the fact that there seemed to be some dissonance between the two parties was what raised eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just curious, I'm sure many of our listeners as well, what does the MCCY position mean for the FAS and obviously in this case, Gold 2034? Well, personally, from what I read into it and, and what I've seen from both parties, I don't think it means FAS doesn't have the MCCY support. Like you said, even though Mr. Bay stated that Gold 2034 is an FAS goal, not the government's goal. He went on to say that the ministry has been in discussions with FAS. He has given input on how it could reach its maybe mid-term goals or short-term goals. You know, I think perhaps, like you said, FAS was just a little taken aback by how maybe clear or how blunt maybe the statement was, the declaration that, you know, it's a, in an FAS goal, not a government goal. You know, the thing is, as former FAS technical director Michel Sablon, I remember he told me and he left his post a couple of years ago after almost four years in Singapore. He said, you know, he found that Singapore is a very top-down society, mm-hmm. you know, if there's a will from the people at the top, meaning the government, to do something, more often than not, it gets done. And if you leave it to an NSA like the FAS, for example, to lead such a massive, ambitious project like Goal 2034, they might run into a bit more obstacles or, or hindrances. But still, like I said, I don't think it means that the MCCY is not supporting. In fact, it's the contrary. They, they did say, you know, they would do all they can to support the FAS. Alright, very good to hear all that. Sazali Abdulaziz for clearing the air for all of us and for listeners as well about the uh, Go 2034. Now, if you like the Straits Times, a game of two halves, you can listen to us live right here on Money FM 89.3 from about 5.15pm every Monday or you can subscribe to hashtag a game of two halves on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts uh, or Spotify. Like us and give us a rating. Over to the second half of our conversation with our ST Sports uh, podcasters. We heard from Sasali Abdulaz earlier and now we're going to bring in Kimberly Quack. Now, Kim, uh, you were one of the reporters that revealed that the FES 
and some other football academies would ban heading for players. Heading as in heading, putting the ball ahead. Heading for players under the age of, uh, of 12. I mean, this comes after the English and Scottish and Northern Irish Football Association's announcement two weeks ago that they would be banning heading and training for children under 12 as well. And the decision came after the, this study showed that professional footballers were at a higher risk of getting dementia. Yeah, so I think now the local institutions are also following what the UK football authorities are doing. Just to clarify, you know, this only applies to training. Heading in games is still allowed. And yeah, in games, it's shown that you know in children's games, heading is not that common. Mm, okay, so so what sparked the discussion on this topic? I understand that it started from the from the UK football associations. It came from there, and then I think you know heading for children has always been a heavily debated issue. There have always been discussions on whether it's good for the children's development whether it's good for children to be repetitively hitting the ball. So I think that has been something that has been discussed over the last few years. And now the different football associations are taking steps to address that. Mm-hmm. Well, what I don't really understand, Kimberly, as you mentioned, that in training, it's not encouraged, but on the games, they do that as well. But of course, you, see, you mentioned that the younger players don't really use the head to, while they're on the field during a game. I thought that's a little bit of confusion there. So what are the authorities yeah. in Singapore saying about all this? I mean, just to address that confusion as well, I think in training, they're just trying to avoid getting children to repetitively hit the ball. And, you know, in games, sometimes hitters in games, there are situations where children have to hit the ball. And yeah, that is unavoidable, but they're just trying to mitigate any risk that comes along with it. Yeah, and so, I mean, moving on to what the authorities are doing. So, firstly, the Football Association of Singapore is banning hitting in all training drills. And it will stop repetitive and unnecessary hitting for children up to the age of 12. Mm. And then, you know, for the Active SG Football Academy, which is run by Sport Singapore, you know, they're looking into the findings and they'll be discussing that with the FAS. And this SG Football Academy currently does not introduce hitting to children 16 and under. And, you know, their drills focus more on footwork. So generally, actually, most academies and schools have been quite careful with children and hitting. And even, for example, like the Ministry of Education introduced some modified rules in 2017. Like they kick in the ball instead of throwing it in. Mm -hmm. And then they focus more on passing and dribbling so that the focus is more on playing the ball on the ground rather than keeping it in the air, long balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but sorry, yeah. if I could just jump in. Obviously, our report has reached quite a few people and, and it sort of made an impact because I see a few of my friends who are coaches uh, and, and even you know former players and stuff like that. They are sharing the article on their social media and, and some people are actually saying you know saying it's not a good move. You know, they're saying that you know there's this misconception that you know hitting will soon be outlawed from football. You know, and the game's getting soft. You can't tackle. You can't hit ready. You know that kind of thing. So, but I think like like what Kim said, it's a misconception. This is only to avoid a repetitive hitting for for very very young players. At that age, you know, even if if they do try to do trade hitting mm. in training, they tend to as Tohari Pajan, a former S League you know coach said in, mm. in our article, they tend to sort of close their eyes and just put their head to the ball. So it's not <laughs> yeah. so much hitting the ball, it's the ball hitting their head. That's what they want to avoid. Yeah. And also at such a young age, the skull may be not really tough and Precisely. strong yet. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so when yeah. you're so small, when your body is so small, so slight, you, you see a, a ball flying at you, you know, your, your instinct is to close your eyes, just stick your head there and, and absorb the impact and 
and that doesn't help the the, the kid at all. So yeah, I think I think all in all, I think it's a it's a long overdue move. Right. Like you mentioned the kick-ins <laughs> instead of throw-ins. All uh-huh. this this has sort of um, you know uh, been implemented. I think it will only help boys get more comfortable with the ball at their feet, and hopefully that means our football standards going to improve. Yep, yep. Well, Kim, uh, did parents have anything to say to this? I mean, were they for or are they against uh, this change? I think parents actually, or at least the ones that I spoke to, generally thought that the ban was not necessary because, you know, there are all these measures in place already, like kicking instead of throwing, the focus on drills, focusing on footwork. Right. Yeah, I think they generally did not have any issues with letting their children hit the ball. <laughs> and yeah, because, I mean, also a lot of academies and schools, they have measures like, you know, using appropriate size ball mm-hmm. and then making sure that the game is not so physical. And, you know, at such a young age, I think generally the players are, they're more gentle. And yeah, it's not that much of an issue for the parents that I speak to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, that goes the final whistle for our sports discussion for the week. Really hope that you enjoyed listening to us today. Glad you have to have have you both on the line today on our, on our segment Game of Two Halves uh, so Zali Abdulaziz and uh, sports reporter Kimberly Quack thank you very much guys glad to be on Bert. that was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times find us on Spotify Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home do feedback to us at podcast at sph.com.sg You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.